Hey everybody, so let's talk some more about the election subversion case against Donald Trump pending in Washington, D.C. in Judge Chutkin's court. By the way, it's uh, quite something that I have to specify which criminal trial against a former president I'm talking about. But, you know, that's what happens when you elect a career criminal for president. Anyway, um, I feel like I need to talk some of you off the ledge, given the legal developments that we learned about yesterday. So today is Thursday, December 14th. And yesterday we learned that Judge Chutkin ordered that the trial in her court be put on hold until Donald Trump's appeals can be resolved. Now, upon hearing this news, a lot of you understandably um, got really worried about this. Uh, you know, I know that some of your worst fears about how this was going to go, you feel are, are coming to fruition. You think that Donald Trump is getting away with it again. He's going, even if he loses this appeal, he will be successful in delaying the trial until after the election. And then he's going to win and he's going to pardon himself or he's going to dismiss the cases. And I understand all of your concerns. Let me try to make you feel a little bit better because what is going on is not unusual and it's not unexpected. And I really don't think that this is going to delay the trial either at all, or if it does delay the trial, the delay will be minimal. And it's not going to prevent us from putting Donald Trump, Donald Trump on trial in the spring. It's currently set for a March 4th trial date. If that gets pushed back a little bit to, say, April 4th or something, it's not going to change the situation really much at all. Donald Trump is, if it, say it starts in April, Donald Trump will still be tried and convicted even before he officially gets the Republican nomination at the convention in July. So we're still on track. This is really nothing to worry about. And so I want to walk through this. I want to talk about the substantive legal issues that that are uh, um, that will be decided here by the Supreme Court. Whether or not it goes first through the the appellate court, you know, the circuit court, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But it's ultimately going to go to the Supreme Court, I'm sure. Um, so we'll talk about those substantive legal issues and why they are complete losers for Donald Trump. Why he will lose on on his issues. And but before we get to that, let's discuss the procedural posture of this case, where we are, how we got here, and what we can expect going forward. All right. So what happened yesterday? Well, let, let's take it this way. Let's talk about how we got here and where we are. Donald Trump was indicted, right? Once someone is indicted, that indictment goes to district court. That's the trial court level in our federal system. Before they actually go to trial, we are in this long period, which is where we are right now, between indictment and trial. This is called the pretrial phase. And during the pretrial phase, both sides can file motions, um, bringing up various issues that could impact the trial. Legal issues, evidentiary issues, procedural issues, all kinds of issues. Um, and both, both sides are looking for advantage on those, those issues at trial 
And so they file pretrial motions to, to get things either cleared up or ruled in their favor, favor prior, prior to trial. And in this period, a judge rules on a lot of these motions. And, uh, you know, it, it depends one, one trial to the next how many we're talking about, but it really could be a lot. And in this case, it has been and will continue to be a lot of these pretrial motions. Now, ordinarily, you cannot appeal a judge's, a trial court judge's rulings on these pretrial motions. You have to wait until the end, until there is a conviction. If there is a conviction, you have to wait till there's a conviction. And then you can file your appeal and you throw all of these things, all of these legal issues that you think that the judge got wrong, uh, you throw them, throw them all into one appeal and you deal with it then. And it makes sense to do it that way because can you imagine if we did it the other way? Anytime there was an adverse ruling before trial, imagine if the losing party could go to the appellate court every single time. Well, we'd never get to trial. It would take 25 years to get to trial. So it makes no sense to do that and we don't allow it, generally speaking. There are certain legal issues that are so fundamental to the trial that they really have to be decided beforehand. And Donald Trump has raised a couple of those issues. Now, don't read into the fact that the that these, these courts are going to hear his issues to mean that they're serious issues. The, the issues he raises are serious, but his legal arguments are not. They're frivolous. They don't apply to him. They're ridiculous, and he's not going to win on them. Um, but we'll get to that. So anyways, Donald Trump, in this case, filed a motion to dismiss based on two important legal theories. He gets them both wrong. They don't apply to him. He's going to lose, but he raised them. And basically he's saying that the case against me needs to be dismissed because one, I have immunity, which we'll discuss. And two, the pros this prosecution violates the constitution in that it amounts to double jeopardy. So it needs to be dismissed. Now, both of those are important issues that don't apply here and he will lose, but they're important issues. And if they, if he were right on those issues, the case against him would have to be dismissed. So the question is, Is this? can this prosecution go forward based on these legal issues that Donald Trump has raised? That's why they have to be decided before trial. Because if Trump is right, then this is an improper trial from the get-go. So we need to decide whether this trial is proper. That's why these we're getting these interlocutory appeals. So what'll happen now is, well, anyways, Donald Trump lost... He filed a motion to dismiss with Judge Chutkin. She denied those motions. He lost. He appealed to the circuit court, which is the first appellate court. You got circuit courts, the trial court. I mean, district court is the trial court. Circuit court is the appellate court. And then there's the ultimate appellate court, which is the Supreme Court. Okay, so Donald Trump appealed to the circuit court. Um, upon doing that, Jack Smith said, to hell with this. Why should we go through the circuit court when this is ultimately going to end up at the Supreme Court anyway? Now, most cases don't end up at the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court doesn't have to take any, you know, any particular case. It doesn't even have to take this case. But because of the issues involved, it's more than likely that the Supreme Court would be taking this case 
Uh, anyway, so Jack Smith is saying, we're just going to waste time going to the circuit court if ultimately this is going to end up at the Supreme Court. So he went straight to the Supreme Court, filed a petition for ex expedited review with the Supreme Court, saying, look, Supreme Court, this case is so important. We don't want to waste time going to the circuit court when you're, we all know you're going to decide this anyway, so please decide it now. Now, normally you can't go straight to the Supreme Court like that. You have to go through the circuit court. But the Supreme Court has a rule that allows for bypassing the circuit court under certain circumstances. One of those circumstances is when uh, a, a particular case is of such immense public importance that it justifies bypassing the circuit court and going directly to the Supreme Court. Now, you cannot possibly even conjure in your mind a case that has more public importance than this. A criminal trial of a former president who is running for re-election. In an election year, or just about in the election year. So getting this resolved quickly is of the utmost public importance. So based on its own rules, the Supreme Court certainly should take this. So... Jack Smith also, at the same time, he filed a petition for expedited review at the Supreme Court. He also filed a petition for expedited review at the Circuit Court. You know, normally it goes to the Circuit Court and they put it on whatever schedule um, they normally would. Now, given that this is an interlocutory appeal in a criminal case, it would normally go pretty fast anyway, more than, much faster than your typical case that, that, that is appealed. Um, but even still, Jack Smith filed for petitioned for expedited review, just in case the Supreme Court doesn't take this case, he wants to hit the ground running in the, in the circuit court so that we can get the show on the road. So he filed expedited reviews, re requests for expedited review at both the circuit court and the Supreme Court. The circuit court said that granted his petition, yes, we will give you expedited review. The Supreme Court hasn't decided whether or not they would grant expedited review but they have agreed to consider it. So they have ordered Donald Trump to respond to Jack Smith's petition. They've given them nine days to do so. That was two days ago, I think. So a week from today, the Supreme Court will receive the reply brief, because you know they're gonna wait till the last second, from the Trump camp. At that point, the Supreme Court will decide whether or not they will decide the case. And I anticipate that they will. If they do, they will set out an expedited, uh, briefing and oral argument schedule. And so we'll know when briefs are due, when the argument is going to be, and then the decision from the court would follow in probably in pretty uh, short order. So that's where we are. Right now we're just, the trial is on pause at the district court and we are waiting for Trump to respond to Jack Smith's petition. A week from now they'll get that and we'll soon thereafter find out what the Supreme Court's going to do. So that's where we are procedurally. So Judge Chutkin issuing this stay is not surprising because based on the importance of these arguments that Donald Trump has made, that this case should not go forward anyway because he has either immunity or this prosecution is barred entirely because of double jeopardy. Because of the importance of those issues, the trial court was never going to proceed. The, the trial was never going to proceed anyway until these issues were resolved. So, Judge Chutkin issuing this order to officially put the the case on hold is just a formality in what was already going to happen. So, don't read too much into it. This is not a win for Donald Trump. This is not a loss for Jack Smith. 
this is just the procedural way this happens when when such uh, an appeal is made. Okay, so don't read too much into that. Now, I will tell you when it's time to panic. If certain things happen, then I will begin to be concerned that Donald Trump is actually going to get his way and delay this thing past the election. None of those things have happened yet. The end of the video, if I remember, uh, remind me, I will talk about some of those things, okay? But until those things happen, there's no reason to panic. I'll tell you when I'm starting to panic, but right now I'm not. This is normal. So that's the procedural side. Let's talk about the substantive legal side. What has Donald Trump raised specifically and why will he lose? Well, let's take the, the issue that I haven't talked about before, the double jeopardy issue. And I haven't talked about it before because it's so ridiculous on its face. In fact, it's so ridiculous that his attorneys should be disciplined for even raising it. You know, you're not allowed to file frivolous motions and frivolous appeals in court. Okay, you're, you're not supposed, if you're a, an officer of the court, which lawyers are, you're not supposed to be clogging up the courts, wasting their time with frivolous arguments that you know have no legal merit. If you file a motion, you are telling to the court, you are telling the court that there is a good faith legal basis to believe that we could prevail on our motion. You can't just fought, uh, throw things up against the wall and in the hopes that something will stick, even though you know it has no legal merit. Okay, so they should be disciplined for filing a frivolous lawsuit. If, in the alternative, they actually think that this double jeopardy claim is a valid claim that they really could win on, then they should lose their license because they're incompetent lawyers. And the public, you know, needs to be assured that all lawyers who are licensed to practice law are competent to represent them. Any lawyer who would honestly believe that Donald Trump has a chance to prevail on his double jeopardy claim is not a competent lawyer and the public should be protected from them and so they should be stripped of their license to practice. Um, that's, that's how ridiculous this is. So let's deal with the double jeopardy thing. What he's saying is, as you know, the Constitution prohibits the government from putting someone on trial for the same crime more than once. Um, that's flatly unconstitutional. And that's what Donald Trump is saying is happening to, hear, to him now. By the way, I can hear some of you saying to yourself right now, but I've heard about people being retried. Um, you can put a, a defendant on trial more than once, but only if there was a mistrial, if there was a hung jury or something like that. You can't put them on trial, reach a conclusion in that trial, and then put him on trial again for the same thing. You can't do that. That, that. That's unconstitutional. And that's what Donald Trump is saying is happening to him here. He is saying that because he was impeached and put on trial in the Senate, that he is, it would therefore be unconstitutional to put him on trial again now. Well, that is patently absurd for a couple of different reasons. It's actually, I shouldn't even waste our time talking about it, but I'm going to do it real quick. Uh, for, first of all, the Senate impeachment trial is not a trial. It's not a trial in the legal sense of the term. It's a political trial. It's certainly not a criminal trial. And it's certainly not the kind of trial um, that the double jeopardy clause is talking about. All right? It's, it's not a trial at all. They called it a trial, but they could just as easily could have called it the Senate vote 
on the Articles of Impeachment or the Senate hearing on the Articles of Impeachment. The fact that they called it a trial doesn't make it a trial for purposes of the Double Jeopardy Clause. It doesn't make it a trial in any way, shape, matter, or form. You saw the Senate impeachment trial. Did that look like a trial to you? You know what a trial looks like. Did that look like a trial? No, because it wasn't a trial. Did you see jury selection? Was, was there jury selection? No, there wasn't jury selection. Uh, you know, you have a, in a jury, a criminal trial, you have a right to be tried by a jury of your peers. Okay, this, this was not a jury of anyone's peers. This was a bunch of elected politicians, right? And they, they weren't selected. They weren't selected um, to be fair and impartial. They don't even have to treat the, def the defendant uh, as innocent until proven guilty. Uh, none of these things that, that apply and attach to a criminal trial are present in a, a Senate trial on an articles of impeachment. It's a joke. There's no rules of evidence. There's no, you know, statutory legal basis for it. There's not even a friggin' indictment, okay? Did a grand jury charge Donald Trump with a, a crime in, in the impeachment trial? Of course not. But that's what the double jeopardy clause is talking about. That, that didn't happen here. So for, for all kinds of reasons, uh, this is obviously not a trial. This is obviously not a criminal trial. And so it's obviously not what the double, double jeopardy clause is talking about. But, it's, but the argument is so ridiculous that it goes even further than that. Let's assume for a second that it was a, a criminal trial. The double jeopardy clause bars the government from trying the same person for the same crime more than once. Well, even if this was a Senate, even if the Senate impeachment trial was an actual trial, it's not the same crime. What was Donald Trump impeached and tried in, in the Senate for? For inciting an insurrection. What is Jack Smith putting him on trial for? Not inciting an insurrection. He hasn't been charged with that. So it's not the same charge anyway. Okay, he's not been indicted for inciting an insurrection. I think he should have been. I also think he should have been indicted for seditious conspiracy. I understand Jack Smith's reasons for, for not doing those things. And, you know, ultimately, he's, he's probably right about those things. But he could have been charged for those things. He wasn't. He wasn't charged for uh, inciting an insurrection as he was in the impeachment thing. So it's not even the same crime anyway, even if it was a trial, which it's not. So this is just preposterous. And if that weren't enough, the Constitution actually friggin' addresses this. Okay? Not specifically, but it makes very clear what the answer to this question is. So I'm going to read to you Article 1, Section 3, if I can find it. Okay. Now, I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read this. It's a short paragraph. I'm going to read it through once, and we'll talk about it a little bit. Okay? Now, by the way, this section also supplies the answer to Donald Trump's other claim, that he has this broad immunity. He's claiming that he is immune from prosecution. You cannot prosecute him for anything that he might have done during the time in which he was serving as president. So for his four years as president, you can't prosecute him for anything no matter what he did. If he murdered somebody, you can't prosecute him for that because he was president. That's what he's claiming. As ridiculous as it is, that's what he's, his lawyers are actually claiming with a straight face. And again, that's so preposterous, they should be disciplined for that. That's a frivolous motion. Um, despite what you're hearing from talking heads on, uh, on cable news and whatever who are, who are treating his Donald Trump's legal appeal as, oh, it might actually win. 
Even if they, you know, even if they say, I don't think he'll ultimately prevail. Uh, but, you know, it's, he, he might. No, he, he, he won't. This is frivolous. He has zero chance of winning this. All right. Anyways, let me read this because this supplies the answer. Not directly. It doesn't talk about it directly. But it clearly provides the answer to both his immunity claim and his double jeopardy claim. So listen carefully and see if you can pick it out. Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. But the party convicted shall nonetheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. Okay, so what this paragraph, this section of the Constitution is talking about is... Um, the preceding paragraphs talked about impeachment. What they're saying here is, if you impeach a president, and it's not just a president, because it's not just a president that can be impeached. It's certain members of the judiciary, you know, Supreme Court justices can be impeached and removed from office. So members of the judiciary and other members of the executive branch are subject to the impeachment provisions, not just the president. So anyone who is impeached by the House and then convicted in their Senate impeachment trial in the Senate um, what they're saying, what they're saying is, you can't go any further after you found them guilty in the in the Senate impeachment trial. You can't go any further than removing them from office and disqualifying them uh, to hold future office. That's all you can do to them. You can't punish them criminally. You can't put them in jail. You can't fine them. You can't take their property away from them. You can't do anything other than convict them. And remove, uh, and remove them from office. Remove them from office and prevent them from holding office again. That's all you can do. But they go on in the second part to say, well, and the, the reason they're saying this is because what, what, what if you um, impeach someone for, you know, a serious, a serious crime? So it would be reasonable to think that Congress would want to also punish these people for their crimes. What the Constitution is saying is, no, this isn't a criminal trial. So even if you impeach and convict him, you can't punish him criminally. All you can do is kick him out of office and prevent him from holding office again. That's all you can do because this is not a criminal trial. It's a political trial. Big difference. That's what they're saying here. And they're saying, but the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. So they're saying, Congress, you can impeach and you can convict, but all you can do as a result of that is kick them out of office and prevent them from holding office again. But don't worry. Don't worry. They're not going to get away with their crimes because they can still be subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. So right there in the Constitution, they're saying... Let's, let's deal with both of Donald Trump's legal challenges. Let's take double jeopardy. So he's saying, if you impeach me and you convict me, you can't put me on trial later. They just said you can. Right there in the Constitution. Nevertheless, uh, but the party convicted, meaning was put on trial, shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment. So yes, Donald Trump, even if you had a Senate impeachment trial, you can still be put on trial in the criminal justice system after you leave office. It's right there. This is not a close question. 
Donald Trump has absolutely no chance whatsoever on prevailing on this issue. It will be a 9 nothing decision against Donald Trump. And I am, like, as certain as I possibly can be that that's what will happen. Not, there's, there's no way it's not 9 nothing. okay? This is not arguable. Um, but also, so, so let's just dispense with the double jeopardy thing. That's so absurd. What about the immunity thing? Well, this answers that too. Okay, because here they're talking about impeachment and conviction and removal from office and then the possibility of prosecuting a president or whoever is impeached and removed afterwards. They're talking about conduct that happened while they were president, right? That is the subject of impeachment and conviction in the Senate. And so right there, they say that they can still be put on trial later. So if... They're talking about impeachment and removal for stuff that they did while they were president. And then they're also saying, um, yeah, and you can try and convict them later. That means there's no freaking immunity. There's no immunity. So if you impeach somebody for something they did while they were president and you can put them on trial after they leave office for that conduct, that means, come on, follow, follow along, Trump cultists. That means that there is no such thing as this presidential immunity for anything you did while you were in office. Okay, and it's, it's not just for this section of the Constitution that clearly blows all this out of the water, but it's the most obvious. And there's lots of other legal arguments. Um, all of the legal arguments and constitutional and historical arguments are on Jack Smith's uh, side. I mean, I, I'm actually looking forward to reading the briefs of Donald Trump's lawyers because what the hell are they even going to say? They, they have no legal, no constitutional, no, no historical leg to stand on. There's nothing cutting in their favor on any of this. That's why I said this is a loser. Don't worry about it. And I, and I know, you know, most people aren't, you know, don't study the Constitution, don't read the Constitution. Um, you're just like normal people, you know, most, you work, you come home, maybe you turn on cable news to follow this stuff at the end of the day, you got your favorite shows, and you see these, these legal experts and that, that you really like, oh, they're usually really good. And, and they are, a lot of them are really, really good. Um, former federal prosecutor, former U.S. attorney, you know, law professor, all these big titles, and you're thinking, well, they obviously know what they're talking about. And what do most of them say? Even if they tell you that, yeah, I don't think Donald Trump will win on this, they make it sound like he's got a legitimate shot. You know, I don't think he's going to win on this, but you never know. He might. And, you know, these are serious. These are serious constitutional issues. No, no. He, he doesn't have a legitimate shot to win here. Stop scaring people. And I know why they, oh, whatever. I don't want to get into the motivations of cable news legal experts, but no, there is no legitimate shot here. He does. This isn't a roll of the dice when you go to court. And I know a lot of you are worried about this Supreme Court. And I explained this last time. I'm not worried at all about this Supreme Court. People seem to equate the fact that this court might rule on legal issues different than you would want to. And you maybe you think they're outrageous legal opinions. And by, by the way, most of the people who have these strong feelings about Supreme Court opinions opinions, they have strong feelings based on the political outcomes, but they don't actually even understand the underlying legal issue that the case was decided on, right? They don't even get what the, what, what the case was really about. So for example, here's just a real example, has nothing to do with any of this. 
that the Supreme Court has agreed to, to hear a case next term on this abortion pill that some trial judge um, ruled against and now it's, you know, it's, it's banned and, and, and the Supreme Court's going to take that up. And so I've seen, you know, cable news hosts and everything talking about this and they're talking about, will the Supreme Court uphold this ban? Will they ban the abortion pill? Well, there's a real conservative Supreme Court and they don't like abortion. And are they going to ban it? The, the, abortion is not part of this at all. The actual legal issue has nothing to do with abortion. It has nothing to do with this specific pill either, other you know, than this specific pill is at issue. The legal issue has to do with the regulatory authority of the FDA. That's that's what it's about. It's not even about the abortion pill. It's whether or not um, Congress gave the FDA certain authorities and whether or not the FDA um, went further than their scope of authority and their own rules in granting emergency um, approval for this drug. It has to do with the FDA and the applicability of regulations and the emergency. I mean, this could easily have been about a weight loss drug. It has nothing to do with abortion. And so the court is not going to decide this based on abortion. It's going to decide it on completely different body of case law. Okay, you're not going to read anything about, you know, uh, Roe versus Wade. Nothing. It has nothing to do with that. It's a regulatory issue. That's all it is. It's, a, it's an agency regulatory thing. But anyways, the point is, people are worried about the Supreme Court because they rule on, on, on these legal issues in ways that they might not want, and so they think it's a right-wing court that's all in the tank for Trump. They're not all in the tank for Trump. Okay? I've explained this. They have ruled against Donald Trump on a lot of important things. Donald Trump was fighting to keep his tax record secret because um, prosecutors in New York were trying to get his tax records as part of a grand jury investigation for the purposes of maybe filing charges against him. He went to the Supreme Court. He thought he was going to win there because they're his court. You know, he appointed three of them. Guess what? They all ruled against him. They ruled against him and subjected him to potential criminal charges. If they were protecting Donald Trump, they never would have frigging ruled that way. And the, and that was a case that was easier to rule in Donald, Trump, Donald Trump's favor than this case. This case, there's no legal basis for ruling in Donald Trump's favor. It, it, it's so outrageous the, 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 how weak his case is. He has no case. It's frivolous. They could have easily ruled in Trump's favor on the tax records thing. Um, they ruled against him in his uh, election challenges. Uh, they, if they were in the tank for Donald Trump and they wanted to help him stay in office, they would have ruled in his favor then. And it would have been easier for them to do that, legally speaking, than this. They've shown time and time again that they are not personally in the tank for Donald Trump. And let me assure you, the Supreme Court justices, with the exception of maybe Clarence Thomas, uh, I don't know what that guy, but he's still not going to rule in Donald Trump's favor here. Even Donald, uh, Clarence Thomas, it, certainly on the um, double jeopardy thing, is going to rule against him. And probably on the other one, too. Uh, but anyways, the Supreme Court justices, even the ones he appointed, they have the same opinion of Donald Trump that we do. They know this guy is a friggin' nut, right? They used him. They wanted to get on the Supreme Court. They, he, they you know, Donald Trump didn't seek them out. People on the Federalist Society and stuff threw these names in front of Trump. It's not like Trump knows anything about judges, doesn't know anything about the law, doesn't care about any of that stuff. He didn't seek these people out. 
These names were brought forward to them. Oh, you should nominate this person. They will find out, oh, the president wants to interview you about a possible nomination to the Supreme Court. Well, they're going to say whatever the hell he wants to hear to get on the court, right? Um, but they know he's a piece of shit. They know what he did on January 6th. I'm telling you, they were watching the TV just like you and I are. were. They are just as appalled by Donald Trump as you and I. But you're thinking that they're political hacks just like members of Congress, most of whom also know the truth about Donald Trump, but they're scared to death of their voters. They are all in the Trump, on the Trump train, you know, because of the Fox News audience. They're afraid to death of losing their primaries. Okay, that's why they fall in line. Supreme Court justices don't have to worry about primaries. They don't have to ha ever have to stand for uh, election. They're lifetime appointments. Okay, they will be on the Supreme Court long after Donald Trump is gone from the scene and probably long after he's pushing up daisies. They'll still be on the court. They don't give a damn about protecting this guy. They probably would love to see him gone um, so that, you know, maybe the Republican Party returns to sanity. They're not into this crap. I guarantee you. Anyways, they're not in the tank for him. I promise you they're not in the tank for him. They're not going to rule in his favor. And there's no way that they, I mean, they, they can, theoretically, but there's no way they're going to. The law is so clearly against Donald Trump, they would look like fools for eternity. They, the only reason you would rule in Donald Trump's favor is because you don't care about the law or the Constitution or your oath of office or the country. All you care about is being subservient to Donald Trump. That's the only reason you would vote in his favor. And they know that. And history will know that about them if they rule in favor of Donald Trump, because it's so, uh, it's so absurd. He has no chance uh, of prevailing on the merits if they actually apply the law and the Constitution. And it's, like I said, it's not even a close question. I mean, lots of times, issues before the, the Supreme Court, you know, you can argue the law or, or the Constitution one way or another. And so you'll get split decisions. Uh, that's not the case here. Th th there's no... There is no reasonable argument on, on Trump's side at all. So, anyways, what else? What else? Oh, about this idea, well, do, do presidents have, have immunity at all? Yeah, here's the answer. They do have a level of immunity. And, and you, know, you know what level of immunity that is? It's the same level of immunity as all other government employees and, and, and government officials. That is to say, and this has already been... Um, determined by the Supreme Court on the civil side of things, not on the criminal side, because up until now, we've never had a career criminal for president, so no, no president or former president had ever been indicted up until now, so the court had no reason to issue an opinion on this, but it has been decided on the civil side, and that is, a president is immune from civil lawsuit, so is the vice president, so is the speaker of the house, so is a congresswoman, so is the head of the FDA, so is whoever, police officer. They are immune from civil liability for anything that they legitimately did as part of their, their duties of office, as part of their official duties. Okay, you can't be, so basically, you can't be sued for doing your job. Now, if you went outside the scope of your authority, you could be sued for that. So a cop, if he's acting within the scope of his authority, you can't sue him. If he exceeds that and engages in police brutality and beats a guy over the head with his billy club, um, in a manner that certainly was not the self-defense or anything like that. Yeah, that's outside. Assaulting people 
outside is outside the scope of a, a police officer's authority, so they can be sued and they could be prosecuted. Same thing with a president or anyone else. They have immunity from civil liability for doing their jobs. They also they also have criminal immunity from. Did I say liability or immunity? I don't know. I don't remember what I said. I'm tired. Let me try this again. They have immunity from civil lawsuits for doing their job. You can't sue them for things that were within the scope of their job responsibilities. You also can't indict them and prosecute them for things that they did that were within the scope of their job responsibilities. Okay, the Supreme Court has never held that because again, they've never had occasion to, you know, talk about this as a, for a president because no president has been indicted before, but that's how they're gonna rule on that too. This is a no brainer. Um, so that's the kind of immunity that the president has and every other government official has. You can't sue them for doing their job. You can't prosecute them for doing their job. If they engage in conduct that is with, with I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm trying to rush this because I'm late for something. Anyway, um, if they act in a way that is outside the scope of their job responsibilities, then you can sue them and you can prosecute them. So that's how they're going to land with Donald Trump. Now, can you prosecute a president while he's in office? That's an open question. There's reasonable arguments on both sides of that, not getting into it now. But there's no question that you can sue and or prosecute a president once he leaves office for things that he did while he was president, if it's with you know outside the scope of his authority. And what's at issue here was clearly outside the scope of Donald Trump's authority. Okay, It's not part of his job to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress to prevent the counting of electoral votes so that your fat ass can stay in office. That's not part of your job, okay? It's not part of your job to deprive citizens of their right to vote, which is another count of this indictment. It's not part of your job to engage in a criminal conspiracy to submit fraudulent electors to the, to the National Archives and to the Vice President of the United States, um, the Senate President of the Senate. Um, that's not part of your job. You know, fraud and conspiracy, and obstruction. Uh, these are not part of the president's official responsibilities. So he has no immunity. And once he leaves office, there's no question that he could be prosecuted. And that's where we are. And that's why he's absolutely going to lose on these issues. I promise you, he is going to lose and it's not even going to be close. And the decision is going to be handed down relatively quickly. Now, whether or not the case ultimately gets postponed in any way will depend on how long it takes the Supreme Court to rule. Um, there may be a slight delay, but like I said, I, that doesn't concern me. If it's delayed a couple weeks or a month, it's not going to really change anything at all. Okay. Judge Chutkin has shown herself to be a very capable and serious judge. She will move this along expeditiously once it gets back to her. Donald Trump will be put on trial this spring and he's going to be convicted by the convention. That's what's going to happen more than likely. Now, I told you, um, uh, let me say this too. Um, my frustration, my great frustration in all this is that we have a system in which these frivolous lawsuits are taken seriously. These frivolous, this is not a lawsuit, this frivolous motion, this frivolous appeal by Donald Trump is taken seriously. Now, there could have been maybe some, he has no legal arguments here, but what if this were a situation where he actually did have a serious legal argument to make. Well, then fine. Yeah, the courts absolutely need to take those things seriously. This is frivolous for the reasons I told you, but the courts still have to treat them because there's no way to weed out these 
these frivolous motions and these frivolous appeals without actually hearing them. There's no way to weed them out. So even though Donald Trump's appeal is not serious as a legal matter or a constitutional matter, it still has to be treated seriously through the processes. And so the courts have to, that's my great frustration is because I know that this is a frivolous appeal and he has no chance of winning this unless five Supreme Court justices are in the tank personally for Donald Trump, which I do not believe at all. Um, he has no chance to win yet. We've got to put the trial on hold and go through this to hear this frivolous appeal. That's my frustration. But at the end of the day, it's going to be handled quickly. Again, this is, in, this is not a, a, an appeal from a final conviction where you can take your time, right? This is an interlocutory appeal in a criminal case. Those things can be expedited and ruled upon very, very quickly. And this is of supreme public importance. It is going to be handled very quickly. Of that, I have no doubt. Or I don't have much doubt. Now, that leads me to the final thing I wanted to address. You were supposed to remind me you didn't. You're lucky I remembered. Um, when would it be time to panic? When would I start to be concerned that, oh, crap, the fix is in. This is going to get pushed back. Donald Trump's delay tactics are going to work. This is going to get pushed back until after the election. Well, the first thing that could happen that would start to make me question this is if the Supreme Court decides not to hear the case. That would make me concerned. Because according to their own rules, this case is a perfect example of one that should be expedited straight to the Supreme Court. So if they decide not to hear it and let it go to the circuit court first, that would greatly concern me because there's no reason for it. Everything is in favor of them taking this. Um, if they did take it and uh, once Donald Trump replies in a week from now and then they come out with a, a briefing schedule and, an, and a date for oral arguments, if that is a long process, then I'd start to get worried. Um, because if that's a long process, then it could significantly impact the date of the trial. You know, if, this, if, if they give them a month to file their briefs and then a month after that is oral arguments, that's another two months down the road. There's no reason for that. We should be talking about wrapping this up in a period of like a couple of weeks. You know, from yes, we'll take the case, I want um, briefs in 10 days, and then we're going to set this for oral arguments two weeks from now. I mean, that's the kind of thing they could do. They could do this quickly. I mean, remember the appeals in the Bush versus Gore election contest. Those went up to the Supreme Court twice, as I recall, and those were decided very, very quickly. So the Supreme Court can move very, very quickly. They did so in the Nixon era. So it can happen, it should happen, and I think it will happen. If it doesn't happen, if they drag their feet, then I'll start to get worried. Um, but that's not where we're at. Where we're at right now is exactly where it is normal for us to be at this point, given what has happened. This is not a loss. This is not a, a legal setback for Jack, Jack Smith. It's not a loss. It's not a win for Donald Trump. It's just the procedural, you know, it is what it is. This is, you know, this is the procedural reality of what happens when you file these kinds of interlocutory appeals of a constitutional dimension. This is what happens. So anyways, um, geez, this is like, I've been talking for almost 45 minutes. I apologize for that. I really meant this to be like a 15 minute thing. Um, but you know how my mind works. I just start 
thinking of all these other things as I'm talking. So anyways, I, I appreciate you indulging me. I hope this has made sense. Um, you know, I don't work off of notes here. I just, I have a couple of bullet points and then I just talk. So sometimes it goes longer. Anyways, I hope this made sense to you. I hope it makes you feel a little bit better. I hope you understand some of these things a little better than you might have before you watch this or listen to this if you're listening on the audio podcast. But uh, I thank you so much for giving me your time. And um, I know as soon as I end this, I'm going to think of other things that I, that I should have said. But you know what? I've already run my mouth enough and I probably shouldn't say them now anyway and I should wait for another day. So thank you so much. I'll shut up. Uh, please be well until we do this again. Take care and uh, I'll talk to you again soon.